Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Thanks so much for joining us on this Saturday morning. Steve Thompson in with Mary Meyer today. And our phone lines are open at 651-989-9226. You can call or text the program. Yards, gardens, whatever. It is certainly prime time, early May. It's a beautiful morning. And Mary, good to visit with you. Good to be here, Steve. Uh, yes, great weather for gardening. Uh, I'm sure people are going to be anxious to get out and do some work today. So a wonderful uh, time to talk about growing plants. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I, I'm looking out my window right now at all the work I need to do this afternoon and again tomorrow and, and I'm sure people are in the same boat. I did want to bring something up. There is a bit of good news when it comes to the Minnesota Landscape Arboretum that, that people can uh, go on a driving tour. Tell us a little bit more, Mary. Yes, uh, the Arboretum has opened now for vehicular traffic on our three-mile drive, which is a big drive around the Arboretum. You will get to see the tulips, which are just starting to bloom, uh, the crabapples. I haven't seen any crab apples out yet, uh, but in the next week or so, they'll be coming out the, the um, pear uh, trees. Some of the prunus are flowering, magnolias, and uh, just finishing the forsythia. And we have a beautiful uh, daffodil narcissus collection also that's right at the beginning of the uh, entryway when you come in. So you need to get a ticket. You have to get a ticket, and you go online and reserve the ticket. And so look at your calendar for the week or 10 days ahead. There are um, some days that are full, but there are many days that are open. And uh, then read the directions very carefully about uh, coming to the Arboretum. You'll need to show your ticket. It's free for members, uh, $15 a car otherwise. And uh, you, you buy a ticket for a certain entry time to come in, and then you can drive around the grounds. All right. Very good news. Uh, it's certainly a rite of spring. And uh, currently with what's going on with COVID-19, folks haven't been able to stroll the grounds. But uh, a good substitute is having an opportunity to uh, take that three-mile drive through the grounds. So that is certainly good news indeed, Mary. By the way, uh, busy in the yard. Uh, we we already have a number of turf questions coming up on our line, uh, on our text line today on the program. And and number one, we we should start with, and I'm going to combine some of these together. 
is it too late to put seed down if your yard has some bare, bare spots? No, uh, right now is actually a good time to seed. We like to put grass seed down in the fall, but if you can't do it in the fall and you do have bare spots, so we usually think larger than the size of a person's foot, then it's a good time to uh, rake the soil, make sure there is good seed soil contact, and then if you can water it, uh, water in the first uh, 10 days after seed is applied is is pretty critical um but it's a good time to do that um following up on turf dandelions are starting to pop up typically i'll spot treat dandelions in in my yard some people let them go Uh, what do you recommend when it comes to treating dandelions i think spot treating them is a, a good way to do that uh you know we notice dandelions mostly right now in the spring Um, They tend to be one of the first things that comes out in the spring, and they're um, very noticeable. But then throughout the year, even though they live, we don't pay as much attention to them. If you have a tolerance for dandelions, they are one of the first pollinator foods that are available. So uh, bees, honeybees, and our native bees will start using dandelions. So they they do have uh, some benefit. But spot treatment is good, especially if you only have a few. And, of course, digging out the dandelions is the um, organic way to go. And and that can be a challenge because of the long taproot. I I know my dad, when I was a kid, would have my brother and I go out and and pull dandelions. But but he always told us you got to try and get that whole root out. And that that's a challenge. I know there's tools, et cetera, you can do that, but it's, it's tricky. You're right. It, it is tricky, and that long tap root uh, can tend to regenerate. So you do want to get as much of it as possible. Sometimes when the soil is a little bit moister, it's actually easier to pull out that. But if you have a long, uh, if you have a trowel or um, a hoary hoary knife or a dandelion, there is a special dandelion, a particularly long tool that you can use. Those really do uh, work better. Mary Meyer joining us on our Smart Garden show underway on a Saturday. Here's the number again, 651-989-9226, 651-989-9226. More from our text line, and they are related to turf as we get to turf, and, and certainly we'll get to all the questions before we run out of time on the program today. Uh, another follow-up is, is in general uh, a pre-emergence right now. Uh, treating crabgrass. Is, is this a good time? We, we've heard that it, it's related to soil temp. Yes, and uh, listeners can actually look up the soil temperatures. So we, The Minnesota Department of Agriculture monitors the soil temperatures in Minnesota. This is uh, related to do with fertility for uh, farmers in uh, agriculture production. But uh, for crabgrass, um, the, it, it's right now, it's already started to germinate. Uh, it well, depends on the soil temperature. Once it gets above 55 degrees, closer to 60, 65, 70, we see germination will happen with crabgrass. So that is occurring right now on the warmest soils, south sides of lawns and so on. So the pre-emergence crabgrass killer makes a chemical film across the soil. 
And that chemical film barrier needs to go down before the crabgrass starts to germinate. If the crabgrass is a seedling that you can see, it's too late for the pre-emergence chemical control. I have not seen any crabgrass germinating yet uh, in my area, in my soil. And so I think for most of Minnesota, we are still uh, in good shape to put it down. And uh, so I would do that right now. Uh, one more follow-up on turf. Since we had a barrage of turf questions right out of the gate on our text line at 651-989-9226, turf grass needs sunshine a certain amount. But uh, one of the texters says they they have an area where the grass has died. Uh, there, there's, there's really nothing growing for the past couple of years. I put down new topsoil and grass seed, but it just doesn't seem to grow. It does get some sun from uh, mid-morning to mid-afternoon. Should I try sod in this spot? What what could be going on? Um, it could be compaction. It could be just too shady. And if the listener seems to have tried a number of times, I would really consider uh, something other than turf or other than grass in that location. There are many ground covers that will um, tolerate poor light conditions, vinca, pachysandra, uh, lamium. Um, there's uh, native wild ginger. There's a lot of different ground covers that will grow in that situation. So if you don't need that area for recreational purposes, I would really think about growing something else there. The, the shade and the light level is, is, is telling you by the grass not growing that that is, even though there's some light there, it's really not enough. It might be compacted soil, but it's just not good enough conditions for turf. So even the dense shade, uh, fine fescues are the best grasses to put in, in shady conditions, but even they would much rather be growing in the sun. So really, the I think it sounds like uh, the light is just too limiting in this location. And, and, and Mary, where, where where can you go to get some recommendations on what might be good ground cover in areas that just don't get a lot of sun? Uh, maybe there are north-facing slopes, those types of things. Is, sure. is that something available at the website? Yes, our extension.umn.edu website has a lot of information on selecting plants. Uh, Julie Weisenhorn has a wonderful uh, plant elements of design. It's a database that you can search. You can put in the terms of the height of the plant you want, the kind of plants, and it will give you a good selection. And then we have, uh, yes, a lot of information. If you search under ground covers, for uh, in the extension.umn.edu website, you'll find lots of uh, choices there. Outstanding. Quick break. We have more with Mary Meyer. The number is 651-989-9226. 651-989-9226. You can call or text the program. We have Paulette and Jane waiting on the line. We'll get to your calls and texts in a moment here on News Talk E3OWCCO. It is 823. Mary Meyer joining us on the Smart Garden Show. And let's go to the phone lines. Let's bring in Paulette Noatana. Paulette, you're on the air. Hello. Good morning. I have a question on rhubarb. Um, I have a lot of 
seed heads on my rhubarb and I've been removing them. Um, first of all, why do I have so many and should I be removing them? And secondly, does it affect the flavor of the rhubarb? Well, Paulette, the reason the seed heads are there is that is what that is made to do, to go to seed, to put its genes in the next generation. So that's a normal thing. And actually, it's a sign your rhubarb is very healthy. It has the uh, capacity to grow its leaves and now put out uh, seed heads, which is great. So uh, seed heads, though, we don't really want. We want those leaves for rhubarb to eat. So you, I, I cut the seed heads off of my rhubarb as soon as I see they're starting to form. And I do not think it affects the flavor. Um, it can take a lot of food reserves to make those seeds. So you'd rather the, the reserves went into more foliage. So take the, uh, take the flowers off and just know that, that you've got uh, a healthy rhubarb. Uh, good news, Paulette, and uh, harvesting rhubarb, uh, you pull it out, correct? Yes, you kind of pull and twist the stalk, and it will break off uh, just down at the low soil level. Um, you can cut it, but there really isn't a need to cut it. It comes off easily if you learn how to pull it off. And, um, yes, it's a wonderful, one of the first things we can eat from our garden. Yeah, great stuff, rhubarb. Uh, my, my wife and some of the rhubarb recipes among my favorites uh, th- this time of year once we get a little bit further along into the late spring and early summer. Let's go to Jan in St. Paul. Jan, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, thanks for taking my call. I love this show. I'm putting down red cedar mulch in my front yard, and it's, I'm remulching, and I have um, wild ginger and pachysandra, and I think it's lamina which is the lamina and the wild ginger are rather small. I was able to get the red cedar underneath the pachysandra, but I'm wondering if I cover the wild ginger and that little lamina plants, if they'll come up through that mulch, or if I should avoid those areas. Well, uh, it's going to be tough, Jan, if you cover them up. Uh, I would would uh, actually wait if you can. Uh, the wild ginger is just like halfway out in my north side of my house. But in another week, and especially after this weekend, it will fully be up. But if you cover up any of these small ground covers with a mulch, um, it does just make it more difficult for them to grow through that. So really try to keep the mulch on the soil and then uh, after the, the uh, plants have fully expanded and grown, then you can go back in and mulch around them. Yeah, mulch is a good thing, and, and you see a lot of these uh, colored mulches. Um, is it necessary to remove all mulch and, and put new in, or do you just add uh, for color, if you will? Yes, I mostly just add, uh, it really, de- there's quite a difference in the rate of decomposition. So if you mulched last year, you might have a little bit here and there. Some places where it didn't get rained on as much might have uh, better um, or less decomposition. But um, I, it, a lot of it's aesthetics, really, with especially if it's a different color. But um, mulching is wonderful because it keeps the weeds down. It keeps the soil moisture higher. 
uh, keeps the roots cool on plants and keeps us from uh, from the roots being damaged. So mulching, especially organic mulches, have a lot of benefits and uh, usually increase the organic matter in the soil. That is a good thing, and and I have a fair amount of work to do. I didn't do some areas a year ago, and now they're in desperate need of mulch. So I've got a fair amount of work uh, ahead of me. Let's go to uh, Deb in Rochester. Deb, you're on our Smart Garden Show with Mary Meyer. Hello. Hello. Good morning. I have a question here. Yep. Is it too early to plant some dahlia bulbs? Well, that's it. That's a good question, Deb. Um, dahlias like a tropical, uh, warm soil conditions. Uh, you're in Rochester. Sometimes I think Rochester is the Miami of Minnesota. I would give it a whirl. Um, you know, we, we have nice, we've had uh, a fairly early uh, conditions this spring. So our soil temperatures are actually a little bit ahead of where they normally would be. This week coming up is a little bit cool. Uh, but, you know, if your soil feels warm, if you've got a soil thermometer, you can figure out what the temperature is. Yes, you could give it a whirl in planting those uh, dahlias. Now, um, they don't like it cold. I don't know that we're going to have another frost. Uh, May 9th is a normally our last frost date for the cities. So, uh, Rochester, I don't know. You could try it out. After another week, for sure, it's going to be uh, smooth sailing with warm conditions. Quick break. We have more on our Smart Garden Show. Mary Meyer is in today, and the phone number is 651-989-9226. You can call or text 651-989-9226. And coming up out of the break, we're going to get into something that's very popular right now on our text line. When can I put stuff in my garden? We'll get Mary's thoughts on that. Coming up in a moment here on News Talk, E3O-WCCO. Our Smart Garden Show is underway with Mary Meyer. Thanks so much for joining us here on News Talk, E3O-WCCO. Uh, the phone number is 651-989-9226, 651-989-9226. And Mary, before the break, I talked about a lot of things on the text line about when can I put stuff in my garden? When, when is too soon? Um, I, I know in the past we've talked about tomatoes, peppers, etc. I always wait till Memorial Day weekend. But but is it okay to start some other things in the garden about now? Or should we wait? Yes. Yes, there are many things that you can plant right now. Our cool season vegetables, uh, lettuce, kale, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cabbages. Uh, These can all be planted in the garden. These are our cool season vegetables that actually grow better when the weather is cool. Spinach is notorious for really liking cool weather and disliking heat and hot conditions. So kind of think uh, leafy greens, pretty much a lot of the leafy greens, beets, Swiss chard, Beets, of course, we eat the tops and the bottoms, but all of these, the cool season vegetables can be seeded or the transplants can be planted now uh, in the garden. The warm season things, the tropical ones, tomatoes, peppers, eggplant, um, and the squashes, cucumbers and squashes. 
those are all really warm season things, and they don't like below 50. So this next coming week, we have temperatures predicted really in the 50s are just the highs. So it's going to be cool for the next week. So I would say probably after um, this week, you could plant pretty much anything. And Memorial Day, yes, that has been our traditional frost-free time for Minnesota. We've seen that date go um, earlier and earlier in the spring now. Uh, it's, I believe it's the ninth for the Twin Cities is the last frost-free date, or the nine out of ten years. Uh, we will not have any frost after uh, May 9th. And this year it's looking like that, that it's going to be an early year for our last frost. So waiting for the warm season, the tropicals for another week, but the cool season, those all those vegetables can be planted now. All right. Good, good news indeed. Uh, I have even more work to do. Um, <laughs> let's, let's go to Pete, not Seagull. Uh, Pete, you're on our Smart Garden Show. Hello. Pete? You can't hear me? Oh, now we can. Go ahead, Pete. Uh, uh, First of all, I have a comment. According to Paul Douglas in the uh, Star Trib this morning, there is a chance of frost a week from today in the morning. Forecast over 31. So yesterday I went to a garden store and I saw people buying tomatoes like there was no tomorrow. Um, But but the thing I, I called about is, I'm kind of re-examining a lot of things, uh, and, and one thing in listening to your show, we're talking about crab grass and dandelions and creeping Charlie and all the chemicals and stuff we have to put on to keep this under control. What I would like to do is go to a more natural yard. Um, you know, I think over time, because of pollution in our rivers and lakes and et cetera, and even our bodies and animals, we're going to have to move in that direction. Can you give any suggestions to how I might start a move to something that I don't have to put all those chemicals on? Yes, uh, I think you're exactly right, Pete. So I think the first thing is is to change our level of tolerance or our eyes about what we perceive as good landscapes versus um, unhealthy landscapes. So culturally, we are conditioned to have pretty neat landscapes in America. We like a lawn that doesn't have a lot of dandelions in it. So it looks like more of a carpet of just green grass. So we are cultured to have a need to landscape, and because of this, that influences what we think is a healthy landscape. Well, we the more we learn about the the interconnection of all of our insects and things, birds, etc., the more we know that diversity is good, having a wide variety of species is good, and that there's a real interconnection with these species and how they interact. And um, so I think we, we have to think twice about what we think is um, healthy versus what what is a healthy landscape versus what is a landscape that aesthetically looks good to us. So having these conversations is good. I think people need to think carefully about the choices that they're making because 
as uh, we said, the dandelions do provide some of the earliest pollen and nectar for our pollinators. And the fewer dandelions, the fewer diversity we have in our yards, the fewer pollinators and birds and other species we will have. All right, very good, uh, Pete. Uh, thanks for the call. Let's go to Gary in St. Louis Park. Gary, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, good morning, Steve. Good morning, Mary. Um, I, I heard you mention that now is a good time to start filling in the, 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 the browning spots, the bare spots in, in your yard with seed. And I also want to fertilize, but do I fertilize first and then seed or seed first and then fertilize? Uh, you put the fertilizer goes, fertilizer goes down first. If you can rake that in or incorporate that into the soil, that's great. And then put your seed down on top of that. And then, if possible, do watering. And of course, if you can uh, gauge with the weather conditions, you know, right before you, uh, right before it rains, that's a good time to do the seeding. But we want good seed soil contact. So that's really what's essential to get that seed uh, to germinate. The seed soil contact and then moisture. All right. Very good. Uh, thanks, Gary. Uh, to the phone lines again, uh, Jeanette in Hamburg, you're on the air with Mary Meyer on our Smart Garden Show. Hello. Hello. Yes, I last spring I planted some butterfly bushes, and they grew up and bloomed just beautifully last summer. And I, I was told by a couple of people that they wouldn't come back again this year. But in the fall of the year, I cut them down, and I mulched them really, really good. So I was just wondering, do you think they will be coming back? Well, this year, Jeanette, was not as difficult a winter as we have sometimes, so it might be possible. Um, The butterfly bush is only hardy uh, very low or below ground for us, so the top is going to die back every year. I have talked to a couple people who have had that live through the winter, uh, but consistently year after year, it's very doubtful. I would give it um, certainly another month. I would wait till about the first week in June to make a decision whether it's dead or alive because sometimes it takes a while for it to start to grow. Um, and then it's going to be very low near the base where you might see the whole, a whole other new shoot come out. 843, 17 minutes in front of nine on our Smart Garden Show. We're going to take a break right now. We're going to come back with more. Uh, the phone number is 651-989-9226, 651-989-9226. And that is good for a call or text and a reminder on that great website, extension.umn.edu, Yard and Garden. That's extension.umn.edu slash Yard and Garden. We'll have more with Mary Meyer in a moment here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Right now at Smart Gardens, Mary Meyer, we've had a lot of great calls and texts. We'll be going to the text line very shortly, but let's jump back to the phones. Let's bring in Dustin in Mendota Heights. You're on with Mary Meyer. Hello. Hello. Thank you very much for having Hello. me. Appreciate it. Yep. Can you hear me? Yes, Hello? Dustin, we can hear you. Do you have a horticulture question? 
Absolutely. My dad and I are in desperate need for some uh, some help and advice. I uh, woke up this morning, looked in my backyard, and I have two feet of Japanese knotweed growing in my backyard and looking for your help on the best way of getting rid of it. It is scary. <laughs> Uh, yes, unfortunately, Jap- Japanese knotweed is uh, one of the most difficult plants to control. So two feet tall already this spring, yes, kind of frightening. So you need to try uh, chemical as well as, as, well as mechanical um, removal of this. So this is a plant that is extremely uh, deep with a root system and very long-lasting. So um, chemical control Roundup or glyphosate is uh, will uh, take it up and top kill it, but you need to put that on two or three times. The uh, other alternatives to that are cutting off what's there now and then repeatedly cutting that off, mowing that off every time it grows up. You can attempt to dig out and remove some of the root system, but you have to be really careful when you do that because any tiny piece that you break off will actually become uh, a plant. So you can chop that up, try to remove it, and actually increase it. So you have to be really careful to try to remove the whole thing. You can put tarps over it. You can put uh, heavy plastic over it to try to smother it and keep it from coming up. You need to cover it up at least one season, if not two. Uh, Having said all this, this is extremely difficult to control. We actually have a student who's going to give a presentation, a graduate-level work, who's been studying how to get rid of this plant. So extremely difficult plant to remove. Yeah, it, it sounds as difficult as buckthorn. Anybody who's had to deal with that, that that can be a challenge as well. Yes, that's right. At least with buckthorn, you can, well, depending on the size of the plant, you can remove the plant. You can usually kill a buckthorn plant with chemical control on the stump or pulling it out. Japanese sure. knotweed has uh, just an extremely deep, deep root system that because it can break off and regenerate it's it's very difficult yikes that that doesn't sound like any fun at all let's go to joyce in stillwater joyce you're on with mary meyer hello yes yes mary good morning i love your show i listen every saturday um i have a question i have a big farm yard and i have a bank that is too steep to mow, and uh, it's full of moss, and it's a, it gets the easterly sun, and I'm not sure exactly what to do, what kind of plants that's possible to grow there, and how do I get rid of that moss? Well, that's uh, that's going to be a challenge, Joyce, to get rid of that, um, but it, it certainly is possible, but it sounds like um, it might be shady in that area. We often see moss grow with shade, with um, areas where there isn't good drainage, good air drainage or good air circulation. Um, so if you 
don't have the ability to really change the environmental conditions, in other words, increase the sunlight, uh, etc., you might have to live with that moss, but there are other plants you could try to grow in that area. So on steep banks, there is a type of sumac called low-grow sumac that is a wonderful, uh, it's about two and a half, two to three feet tall. It's a plant that will take some shade, but it's it's not very big, but it can make a nice ground cover over a large uh, slope area like that. Uh, we have more ideas for other plants that you could put in there, uh, things that you don't have to maintain at the extension.umn.edu website. But you need to really figure out how much sun is that area getting. Sun versus shade, that exposure will determine what can grow there. Real sunny, dry conditions, something like a juniper, the, some of the low-growing junipers, they are really tough and they will do well, but only if it's really sunny conditions. The low-grow sumac that can tolerate more shade, uh, but would like about half a day of sun. Mary Meyer joining us, our Smart Garden Show. And, of course, the website is uh, extension.umn.edu and Yard and Garden. And all sorts of ideas for ground cover are available at that website. We had a number of texts. Uh, Mary, before we run out of time... I- I do want to get to one thing, and that is people can drive through the Arboretum. It is open uh, for a drive-through tour, if you will, but people need to buy tickets. How do they do that? Yes, Steve, thanks again for that reminder. The Arboretum has opened to the public. It's vehicles only. Going around the three-mile drive is a beautiful, scenic thing to do. You have to buy tickets. You have to have a ticket to enter the Arboretum. You get your tickets online. Uh, And you can uh, look at your schedule for the next 10 days or two weeks, plan an afternoon uh, or morning or afternoon when you can go out there. The directions are all on the website. It's free to members, uh, otherwise $15 a car. And, yes, a wonderful thing to see because magnolias are blooming, forsythias ended. And uh, within another week, we'll have the peak of the crabapples and uh, the tulips. Daffodils, lots to see. Yeah, for sure. Let's get to a couple of things on the text line uh, real quickly before we say goodbye. Um, What can you do with tulip bulbs that have already bloomed indoors? Uh, Can you store those until you can plant them outside in the fall? What, What do you do with those bulbs? I would go ahead and plant them outside right now. Try to mark the area where you put them or make some notes about that. They'll survive better in the ground than they will in your garage. All right. Um, what is a good organic fertilizer for garlics and other uh, or garlic and other crops like that? Uh, garlic and other crops. So organic fertilizers are slow-release fertilizers. Uh, mill organite is our historically uh, uh, sewage treatment. So, yes, uh, right, that organic fertilizer does have a label now for vegetable use, I, be- I believe. I'm pretty sure that is true. But any organic fertilizer, uh, manure, uh, composted manure and things like this, these have low nutrients and a lot of organic batter. 
so compost, uh, manures, um, poultry manure, things like that. There's a wide variety of these. They just have to be really old or composted. And then look at the uh, three letters, three, three numbers on the bag will tell you the nutritional value for nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. All right, uh, Mary, our time goes all too quickly, and uh, we look forward to visiting with you again soon. Always a pleasure. Thanks for uh, hosting the show for Extension. Yeah, thank you. Mary Meyer once again joining us. And the website again, it is a good one. So much information. Extension.umn.edu slash yard and garden. Many of the things we talked about are available at that site. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.